We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Hello baseball fans, wherever you are, and a warm welcome to another episode of the Highland Bullpen Baseball Podcast. We've got a packed show for you this week after another exciting seven days in the world of Major League Baseball. Myself and fellow bullpen bros Alan, Yorkshire Dave and Dave Jr. will be sharing our heroes and villains of the week. We'll be running over some of the highlights from the past seven days. We'll have our usual fantasy baseball chat And in Ask About Anything this week, our new AAA learning section, we're going to talk about why the pitcher's mound exists and why it's the height that it is set at. We'll lead off this week with a bullpen bro's choice for the heroes and villains. Apologies to Baltimore's John Means, whose extraordinary pitching performance, his no-hitter and very, very close to a perfect game against my Seattle Mariners came just a little bit too late to be included in this week's section. And while the Baltimore Orioles pitcher just missed out in being Hero of the Week, Hamish, our show mascot, just missed out in being Villain of the Week. Because Hamish usually handles the audio quality on the Highland Bullpen Baseball Podcast. And at times this week, it might fall beyond the usual high quality you've come to expect. So apologies for that. And Alan, who are you nominating for Hero of the Week? Washington Nationals pitcher, uh, Max Scherzer. He pitched a complete game. Um, he, he's always a decent pitch he's 36 times before uh, complete game uh, 3-1 okay. win uh, for the Nationals uh, but as soon as t- to join his wife who I think was in labour um, so I love that story, I love the fact that somebody a uh, professional sportsman would, would get out there and do that it's a wee bit different from some of our football players who we hear oh yeah my, my wife was in I gave birth at two o'clock on Saturday morning, and he to have it three o'clock. Um, it's quite a different, different setup. So I, I just love how these things are a wee bit, a wee bit different. Dave Junior in the world of the White Sox and beyond in Major League Baseball, who's been doing it for you this week? Oh, I have to go. Uh, I mean, every week, Richard, you could input the same guy every single week for me when it comes to a hero of the week. So your man, Mercedes. Uh, has picked up the April Rookie of the the Month, which is fantastic. It's it's fantastic news for the club. It's it's fantastic news for him as well. And again, just to run over those Ted Williams-esque numbers, uh, which may anger... That's blasphemy. Yeah. (laughs) Who who knows? In 60 years, we could have a podcast talking about your man Mercedes um, and your your man Mercedes Bridge and and so on and so forth. Um, But over the... Since the start of the season, 415 batting average, which has held up. Fantastic. You know, his first eight or nine hits of the season were absolutely perfect. 659 slugging, five home runs, including the furthest this year in the MLB, 16 RBIs in 22 games. Uh, you know, the guy's played independent baseball. He's played for every single-A club that is going. He is 28 years of old. 28 years of age, making his debut. An absolute Hollywood month. An absolute Hollywood start to his season. Um, and that, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's a hero. Um, when it comes to villains uh, at the moment, uh, you, you could talk about the British baseball outcry just now over uh, some of their marketing. Um, but I'll try to stay less controversial and go with injuries for the White Sox just now. So everybody knows it's a squad game and you really do need depth, but it's very hard to cover the elite of your team. And, and so far for the season, we've already lost our big left mid, uh, left fielder, uh, Eloy Jimenez. You know, he was a huge bat for us. We've now lost Luis Robert for the, the remainder of the season, who's our shining light, rookie of the year. 
you know, we've lost Tim Anderson at points. We've lost Lance Lynn. Uh, it's it's been a real impact so far on how we've done, but it's also a really worrying couple of months ahead without some real power behind us on the plate. So, um, yeah, my my villain of the week uh, is the medical industry, or or the our, our guys keep slipping and all over the pitch. Mentioning rookies as well, uh, Dave Junior. Obviously, your White Sox have got an absolutely outstanding one there. My hero of the week, maybe a bit more unusual. Uh, he's a rookie. He's a rookie catcher, and for a team that we don't talk about a great deal, the Colorado Rockies and uh, Dom Nunes. And it's his, you know, it's partly he had a grand slam just the other night there against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and a fourteen-six victory. He's had five home runs so far this season as well. I think he's. On base plus slugging percentages, OPS is 0.923 as well. So he's hitting fantastic numbers. But I think I'm getting a bigger appreciation every week for how hard it must be to be a catcher. You know, the more I learn physically, mentally, you know, they're calling the pitches, even just as I talked about before, to keep physically in that position and for that length of game, day in, day out. You know, it's, a, it's just a position I'm getting more and more respect for. But also... I really love a perseverance story, a determination story, and baseball seems really good for them. So Dom Nunez got drafted, I think, eight years ago. So he's taken this long. This is his debut season to reach his debut season. He was originally drafted as an infielder and then became a catcher, trying to find a way to get himself into the, the senior MLB setup. So both for what he's done so far, for an appreciation for catchers and all that they have to do, and for a great baseball story about determination, perseverance, and sticking in, Dom Nunez is my my hero of the week. I'm all out of villains this week, which I don't know what that says, whether it's, I'm not good at spotting them, or maybe baseball's not providing too many of them at the moment. Other sports are providing them in spades, and I'm looking <laughs> at youth football, but at the moment, baseball doesn't seem to be doing that, for me at least. So, Yorkshire Dave, I don't know if you've been able to find any villains, but I'm sure you've been able to to put your hand in a hero. Yeah, hero-wise, I'm I'm not going to be happy until I've got all the Boston Red Sox backroom staff into my hero list. So what I'm going to do is probably choose a, an unusual hero. Um, and he's the um, it's, his name is Dave Bushy Bush. Bushy is his nickname. I don't know how they came up with that. But... Um, He's the pitching coach, and uh, the reason why I've made him a hero is because one of the starting pitchers, um, Garrett Richards, had had a bit of a tough start to the season. I think he had a couple of losses, and his numbers weren't looking good. And uh, there was criticism of him. I think they just signed him last year. He's not he's not a rookie by any means. He's played uh, in you know in the majors before, but they signed him on a ten ten million dollar one year contract um this season but it wasn't really happening for him and the criticism was you know not playing the game you don't quite understand it but you can see when something looks right and when it doesn't look right and they were saying that his delivery his wind up and his stretch wasn't was a bit too complicated and he was throwing across his body and it just wasn't working so for a couple of days he was due to pitch in the first game on the road against the, the Mets and he'd been working with Dave Bush for a couple of days and he, he, he pitched seven really strong innings. Um, he uh, struck out 10, don't think he walked anybody, he allowed a few hits and one earned run and he got the win and Red Sox got the win 2-1 in a very uh, low scoring game and uh, that's when I, that was the sort of the day after our last week's podcast, so Martin down. I thought, well, he's, he's going to pitch again in, in, you know, on Sunday. So I just wondered whether he would come through again. And I listened to a, uh, a podcast, Tony Tony Maz's podcast, uh, Baseball Hour, and he's quite. I think he, I didn't realise, but he's a he writes for the Boston Globe, where he's very outspoken and uh, obviously knows his stuff. And uh, he he was saying that it's a bit. He was likening it to you guys play golf, and he was likening it to a golfer who's got a problem with his swing and perhaps goes to a coach, and you know get gets a new swing. 
And he was saying that's all very well and good, but you know, as he's pitching, as he's playing golf, you're thinking about what you're having to do to get it right, rather than it becoming a natural thing. So he was a bit concerned. Um, but on Sunday, um, the Red Sox didn't get the win against Texas, but he pitched five very good innings and um, put Red Sox in an opportunity to win the game. So that was the best thing to come out of the week for the Red Sox. It wasn't a bad week, it wasn't a great week. I think they came out with a split. Two, they won the two games in New York, um, but they lost the series 3-1 in Texas, had the chances. But yeah, that was the, the the good thing that came out of that. So I'll keep my eye on that, Mr. Richards. <laughs> oh, excellent, good stuff. I think a late entry for Villain should be whoever came up with the, the bushy nickname. They deserve to be, I think, a late entry for the Villain of the Week. I reckon for <laughs> lack of originality, if nothing else. Yeah. Hello there, I'm the other Dave, and in the rare occasions that the podcast just cannot hold the two of us, you may hear the guys refer to me as Cap. I'm a bit of a geek, I absolutely love anything really that you can come across a fandom, uh, I'll be there with bells on, but I've got, you know, I was born and bred in Scotland, and I've got really strong club and country affiliations, and I've followed both across the globe, uh, and whilst doing so, I've came across other teams that I've, I've really took a liking to. Uh, across various countries like so Union Berlin, Hamburg, Utrecht, Dordrecht, Villantois, Sampdoria. Uh, but the, the next time that it, it really moved up a level was in the MLB and coming across the Chicago White Sox, who I follow absolutely everything to do with now on a daily basis, and it's, they've become a huge part of my life. So I love a blether, I love a chat, so please do get in touch. I'd love to hear from you, but if not, uh, I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast. Alan, moving on to to Triple A, ask about anything. I know it's proven a popular section after its debut last week. I believe you've got one lined up for us. You're you're on the mound and ready to pitch one at us. I have. I'm on the mound, and it's about the mound. Um, so I was actually chatting to one of our listeners, uh, JB. Uh, with, a, with a great conversation, um, uh, and it was yeah, he was novice. I'm not sure he's ever he's probably seen bits of baseball, not maybe watched too much. But he, he yeah, actually, it was really interesting. He was talking through the game. He was asked, mm-hmm. He was trying to explain it from a like start through, and it was amazing how he had a pretty good understanding of everything. But then you'd come to something that well, perhaps I need to to explain yeah, that and uh, to, to to build that. Thank you for getting in, in touch, JB. What his question was, um, why is the mound? So why, if you're standing, do you not plain ground? Why do you have to build this mound? And I guess then, why would the mound be a certain size? Or... And my gut reaction um, <laughs> is that you obviously, when you're pitching, you want to be, if you're trying to throw a straight at body height, that's probably quite different. So I'm assuming a mound, you're able to throw down a bit and actually get a bit more variety. That's a really good question, Alan, and it's one of those things that as soon as you see it, it's like a light bulb moment. I'm like, yeah, actually, why Why is it a, a mound? I, I kind of assumed because of the distance they're throwing, they needed that extra maybe impetus that to get that extra speed uh throwing it from that direction. But then that might be that might be a mile away from from what the actual reason is. I don't know if Yorkshire Dave you'd much appreciation for why baseballs are pitched from a mound. I must admit I, I find that there's the sort of conflicting things going on in baseball which I haven't quite got together yet. But this thing about the the height of the mound, I heard one of the commentators saying the other day, that the 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 overall average league average, so that would be Major League Baseball, is something like 0.232, and he was comparing this with a couple of years ago as 0.252. So this is everyone's hitting average, and they were concerned about the fact that um, perhaps the the pitchers were ahead in the. You know, it's the same in cricket, the war versus who's getting the 
the bet, who's on top, the pitchers or the batters or the bowlers, and in baseball, the pitchers and the batters. Now, I thought because there was more home runs that in some way the batters had got ahead of the pitchers, but perhaps that's not the case. There's just there are more home runs than I think there have been, but in general. What they're finding is, I think, is that the um, the actual just hitting is more difficult than it was, and there's perhaps something to do with them deadening the ball so it doesn't fly quite as far, so um, they're getting caught out. So on top of that, the, the alternative would be to move the mound further back so that would be a longer distance, but I don't think they want to mess with that because I think they like to keep the original parameters of the game, you know, the 90 feet between bases, the whatever it is, is it is sort of 66 feet between um, the mound and the plate. So, yeah, I don't think that gives you... I think you need to look deeper into this to understand what's happened. They have changed the height of the mound before. I'm sure it was going back to... So thirty odd years ago, when there is a noticeable um, reduction in the hitting, so if they feel as though the pitchers are too much on top, because there is a saying in baseball, isn't there? Whatever the situation is, good pitching will always be good hitting, and it is notoriously difficult to hit. You know, and to <laughs> is it Ted Williams quote? Where you know where else in what other walk of life can you um, fail seven times out of ten and still be considered a success? So three hundred is a good by an average, very good by an average. So that's my sort of rambling <laughs> explanation of what I think is going on. I think that makes a lot of sense. Again, you can throw the ball in a particular way depending on the height of the mound, but given how the game and skills develop and equipment develops it makes sense given the length between the that it is that you're trying to build this perfect pitch that brings some sort of equality the batter and the pitcher so yeah. it would then potentially it obviously has a standards and then potentially if they then feel that someone has a particular advantage that's a great I will join JB will be listening to that and I'll pass it back. Yeah, thanks both, and thanks for passing on those words of wisdom from a splendid splinter, Ted Williams, as well. Yorkshire Dave, as always, he's got some good stuff good stuff to, to share, and definitely a man you'd listen to when they're talking about hitting a baseball. But one thing that, that struck me is that baseball, its origins are a similar time frames to the origin of, of football, soccer to our transatlantic listeners and there's often that debate in soccer where people say, well, listen, the average athlete now, the average soccer player is maybe three inches taller, a second quicker. You know, the, the, the world has changed. These are finely honed athletes now who can do things at speed and pace that their forebears 150 years couldn't do. So the dimensions, keeping them the same, and, and I totally get baseball. I always think it's got that kind of the diamond. It's got that physical perfection about it. I love the distances as you referenced there, Yorkshire Dave, so maybe what you can do, you wouldn't want to mess with those dimensions because they're almost sacred, but you can do something with the ball because that is not as noticeable. You can do something with the bats because visibly you might not know that that's something that's been changed and you can presumably change the height of the mound and, and to give those little. So it's maybe a way to keep the game fairer and more equitable for the modern athletes and what they can do while not taking away from its classic kind of classic appeal, I guess. Dave Jr., what do you reckon? I think it's very interesting. Um, the, the football one never quite stacks up to me. I think the, the argument often comes, at, if you, using your example of players can be you know three inches taller or faster, but the, to me, the, the natural argument is you are up against similar improved players. Um, you know, so if you're talking about making the goals bigger, then you... Your goalkeeper would be three inches taller. Um, he would be able to move. He or she would be able to move faster than um, someone from fifty or sixty years ago. So I think that the opposition comes into play as well. 
Um, you know, when it comes to baseball, it's really quite interesting. They've been talking a little bit on the White Sox commentary recently about one of the leagues. I can't quite remember the name of the league, but they're looking at moving the distance to 61 and a half feet. Um, so again, I, David Allen might know a little bit better than I do, but depending how far the distance is just now, I think they're just talking about moving that, that little bit further back. Um, and that might be to to balance out some of the, the inequalities that you mentioned earlier, Richard. No, absolutely. And it's interesting as well, we talk about that, Dave Jr., because pitching, you know, the, the number of pitches you see now that are in the, the mid to high 90s are regularly touching and breaking that 100 mile per hour barrier as well. And then back when I first started, did watching baseball probably 20, 25 years ago. You had the likes of Randy Johnson, big unit, who could regularly hit those kind of figures. But that was unusual. There were a number of, of guys that had that kind of thunder in their arms, but it was unusual. Whereas now we seem to have an awful lot of pitchers. And it's a compliment to their skills and their athleticism and their dedication. But it does suggest that something's changing a bit. Dave Jr. Uh, so Something as well that I I'd really like to talk about one day, perhaps a bit more at length. As a real novice into watching baseball, the instant appeal for me is hitting the ball, is home runs, is that fantastic moment for the crowd. But even in the infancy of my love of the sport, I've really developed an absolute passion for seeing great pitching. So if you know, if you can watch a game almost transpire and be nil-nil through to the ninth inning, there's an absolute beauty uh, in there that you're watching perhaps two your two pitchers or two pitching teams at their very best. And I think we wouldn't often celebrate great nil-nils in football, but I think most baseball fans would gather around and really watch a good pitching duel take place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that, Dave. You know, and the, the beauty of, uh, of football and baseball is it's... Difficult, the object of the game is a very difficult thing to do, to score a goal or to hit a run, isn't it? And I think that's um, appreciated by the fans in baseball. You know, they really do like a good pitching duel and, you know, a 3-2 game or a 4-3 game would be ideal, even a 2-1 game. Uh, you know, we saw at um, New York Mets and Boston in the two games, there's only three runs scored and it was a fascinating series and uh yeah i i, I think that uh, when you get like a like a, a four three game in football would be great but you know much beyond that you know seven six game it wouldn't be seen by the fans as a classic it might be an unusual uh exciting experience but you know it tends to indicate that it perhaps something was amiss somewhere with the defense Defenses, and that's seen similarly in baseball. That uh, you know, if you get a a fourteen eight game, it might be a good game, really good hitting in there. But actually, you know, was it a great classic game of baseball? Yeah, possibly not, but it, it, good nevertheless. Don't know what point I was trying to make there, really. <laughs> No, I think it's a very good one, Yorkshire Dave, and actually speaking from my Mariners' perspective, they've had a relatively mixed experience over the past week or so, but they've had a couple of games that they've won and actually shut out the other team as well, you know, getting like a 2-0, and actually that feels like a big achievement in baseball, to be honest with you, you know, to actually get there and... And, and just close out a really narrow one. And as you say, it's a compliment to the pitching and to the fielding often as well. There were some great fielding plays in there. You know, you, you can guarantee there's been little to no errors to, if you're able to shut out the other team. Hi, it's Alan here. And just a very quick word to say we're delighted to see the minor league baseball season is starting again this week. Difficult year for minor league teams and players last year. No games played, so great to have them back on the road. My own personal experience of minor league is the very first baseball game I went to was actually the Charleston River Dogs down in Charleston, South Carolina. i fortunate to spend a bit of time in the Carolinas. Uh, I've also seen Charlotte Knights play there, a White Sox affiliate. Uh, probably the best view I've seen from a baseball stadium when you sit behind home plate. Absolutely fantastic. Hoping to spend a bit more time with family in the Carolinas over uh, the coming years, if I'm lucky, perhaps this year. Uh, let, let's see how things progress. 
top of my list there would be to see the Durham Bulls of the famous movie, Durham Bull. Also conscious not far along the road from Durham is the Winston-Salem Dash in the city of Winston-Salem. From the initials there, you'll also realize that's another affiliate of the White Sox. So I'll go there to support Dave Jr.'s team. Good luck also to my Tigers minor league teams. I've got Erie Seawolves. Then the AAA team, a team there up in Ohio, the Toledo Mudhens. But our man, Daz Cameron, who we feel proud about with his good Scottish name there, will be playing for the Toledo Mudhens this year and hopefully working his way back to the big leagues with the Tigers. Best wishes to everyone, minor leagues. We'll keep a good eye on that. Probably say as well in Carolina, everybody's new favourite team, the Carolina Disco Turkeys. Let's see how they go as well, and let's see if we can make it to see a game there when I manage to get over to the Carolinas. Dave Junior. Uh, defining success by that pitching, I'm finding... I I definitely learn more and more every week. But I came away from watching the White Sox against the Indians. So the Indians have got a fantastic pitching unit. They always have. Uh, Bieber, out of this world. Uh, And I came away from it feeling disappointed. We lost 5-0 that particular game. And I thought, oh, that's Lucas Giolito, our star. You know, the jewel in our pitching crown has failed again to beat the opposition. When I read the articles the next day, it was actually the opposite. They were talking about Giolito's through, I think, 70, 80, 90 pitches. Uh, done really well. He struck out eight guys. When he left the game, there was only two runs in it. And it's it's that mindset sometimes, as, as a fan, as a new fan, as to what defines success. You know, I could look at football and see that my goalies conceded two or three every game, and I think that's poor. But I think sometimes you need to translate that a little bit differently. And I think, well, Giolito's done his job. He's, he's broke the back of the game. He's pitched five in, in two-thirds innings. He's only conceded two. So at that point, not to get too deep into it, but the, the focus should really shift onto your offence at that point. What have they done against the opposition pitcher? Um, you know, Only conceding two runs is actually a success. Uh, and to get those eight strikeouts was, was actually pretty good. And it, it changes your mindset or my mindset of viewing a player's potentially disappointing start to the season. And he's actually doing quite well. It's just that the rest of the team didn't quite turn up that day. That's it. Dave Junior, that one of the beauties of baseball is the successful teams, the ones that do it over 160 games plus in a season, are the ones that get all those areas working in sync most often, where they get the pitching and the offence uh, working in harmony and, and they get those those wins on the board. So, Alan, that sounded like an excellent question that you fielded in AAA this week and thanks again for that submission via social media Alan and and what else has been happening in social media this week in the world of the Highland bullpen and our listeners I've got a bit of a bone to pick with your Seattle Mariners here Richard only the Mariners were Monday night and I had a look at our fantasy team and at the bottom end of our roster we've got one or two players we can trade and move in and out and I thought I'll get I'll let one of our weaker players go for the night and bring in a Mariners player at the other end and try and get some runs out of that. So I stayed up till about half past 11. The good old Mariners tweeted their lineup card and they had Haggerty playing in left field. I thought that's great. He looked weren't great, but I thought I'll give him a run out. We'd like to get a few runs on here. So I put him on there, check the fantasy scores in the morning. And I he had an average, and I thought, like, why has he not got an average? And then I checked the man's Twitter and the wrong lineup. So, not not impressed. And given how our fantasy team is doing, I think there's a bit of a subterfuge. Do they not realize how we're representing the Mariners in our team? Very disappointing, Richard. Very disappointing. I feel ashamed and embarrassed on behalf of my team, Alan, that they could have let us down. So definitely any Mariners fans, please feel free to let the, the, the Mariners know that they need to need to up their game, so to speak, and make sure we've got all the right info to help us compete in the Podcasters Fantasy League because it's a tough old division. We would say, Alan, it's a tough old division. And, and how have we been shaping up in that division over the past week? Mariners' mistakes notwithstanding. Well, the 
Mariners' mistakes is in this week's game. Um, so we, we're obviously waiting to see how that goes. It's early days. There weren't many games last night, uh, so I'm not going to get too uptight with him there. Um, they're playing uh, one of the other British baseball podcasts. Listened to it a few times. The guys usually like jokes, uh, bats, caps, and sunflower seeds. So give give these guys a listen. Uh, the good news is um, four weeks unbeaten. Uh, having recorded another win last week against the imaginatively named John's team. Uh, we beat them 7-3. Interestingly, uh, I think we were struggling a wee bit in some of the years, but excitingly, 7-3 brings us to second place out of 16 in the Podcasters League. Uh, we are only half a game behind the what appears to be the unbeatable bird balls, so... We're, we're we're catching up with them before we lose we lose a head of steam, uh, so no delight. Uh, good performances in the team again from uh, Martinez, uh, the Red Sox, couple of runs, couple of home runs, I uh, and a two fifty average. Uh, Dylan Moore, two runs, one home run, five R five RBI, two fifty as well, but a couple of stolen bases. So there's a toss up there between Mister Moore of the and Mr. Uh, Martinez of the, the the good old Red Sox. So uh, I can let you guys battle it out, but it looks like joint honours on there. The pitching stats were interesting for the week as well. Um, we talked a couple of weeks ago about trying to identify some closers, uh, some guys who'll come in and get saves on there. So two saves from Whitlock of the Red Sox and two saves from Graveman of the Mariners. Graveman we've had in the team before. We parachuted Whitlock in as well. Uh, so the guys have done well. Uh, uh, Sox, one win, uh, five strikes. Uh, so Graveman had two strikes of Whitlock, five strikes. Uh, uh, no, pl pleased with pleased with that. Um, uh, I'm going to go because he's new to our team, but I think our pit Whitlock of the Red Sox. There you go, another another result then for Yorkshire Dave's team. Yes. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm really happy to see Whitlock in there, and I think it was put up to him by one of the um, probably Tony Maz's uh, uh, podcast. Uh, I think he was a Rule Five um, pick this year, so you know he's he's. I think this is pretty much his first season. And uh, they probably have hopes for him being a starter in the future, but it's looking good. Um, maybe my hero, we, we, we just missed out on getting Barnes, didn't we, who has um, turned out to be the Red Sox closer. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, the MLB announced their two relievers of the month of April and the AL Winner was Matt Barnes, who um, who actually won, um, achieved six saves in in the month of of April. So uh, you know, it's just uh, considering the Red Sox pitching was you know the big question mark over. I think that's uh, turning into quite you know a fairly strong um, part of their su early success. Still, a long way to go, and they're only about sixth away through the season, aren't they? Incredibly. Yeah, but I think I think you're right, Yorkshire Dave. They have kind of been a bit of a surprise package potentially, because as you say, I know a lot of people were a bit concerned over where they'd be able to be able to deliver there, and, and full credit must go. And I think Dave Junior would agree with me on this to Alan and Yorkshire Dave as the the engine room of our fantasy baseball success. They're the guys who've been using their experience and wisdom to to more often than not and are certainly doing a very good job of it so far Ow. Being the engine room of the important UK baseball podcasters fantasy explanation why why the Detroit Tiger suck team are now in the Highland Bullpen fantasy league so I take my team responsibilities 
Yeah, t- the ultimate team player, Alan, sacrificing your own success. That's a sacrifice fly you've hit there, Alan, obviously, <laughs> to get to get us our, our overall team over over home plate there in the, in the British Podcasters League. So uh, it is appreciated. And, and our own kind of intra-bullpen league, which to remind listeners is where our respective four individual teams compete. Uh, I, I, I won't linger too long on who's currently leading, but what I would say is that I'm going to have to get involved in a bit of trading and, and movement, I reckon, because I've been, for whatever reason, mainly blind luck. I've managed to lead so far while making almost no changes to anything. But I've noticed that particularly Dave Jr.'s built a bit of momentum on the back of some uh, very astute trading as well. So obviously I'll have to get looking at that, I reckon, or else I'll soon find myself joining the Detroit Tiger suck at the bottom end of our intra-bullpen league. Dave Jr., you seem to have mastered the art, the art of trading. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I was really, um, I was kind of quite grumpy with myself, actually, because I, I do, I'm quite competitive with these types of things. But for some reason, um, I, I seem to let the first two or three weeks of the season go by without really having a look. Um, and when I did have a look, I was really quite shocked. I, I just assumed that my draft picks wouldn't have been as as bad as they were, uh, I was. I remember quite early. And I was four hundred points behind, and thought, I think I was about twelve hundred points compared to um, the leader at sixteen hundred points. I thought, well, if you don't arrest this slide, uh, it's, it's really quite drastic over over the next few months. So I hadn't quite understood the scoring, which went on, um, which is is my own fault for not looking into um, into it better. Um, but again, I do we look at. I, Today was the first day in a while that I've had a, a really good look at the stats. And if you go into a more advanced leaderboard, again, it's something I'm already looking forward to next year's draft day. Um, I thought <laughs> I really enjoyed this year's, but um, you know, next year it'd be great. And I was even thinking you could also invite other people if we've got any listeners, you know, to join in because it's it's quite fun and it's it, it can take quite a lot of time if you want to do it properly. Um, but it's it's quite good banter as well. Um, but yeah, trading seems to be the way. I don't know if we benefit or, or don't benefit the fact that we've only got four teams. So there are going to be a surplus of, of what would be reasonably good players sitting out there, as opposed to if you've got a team full of, you know, the podcast league, we get 16 teams of 20 players. We can still dip in and out and get real first team starters just because we don't have the room in our rosters to accommodate everyone. Um, so, no, it's it's really quite good. And I'm, uh, for anyone that plays fantasy football in the UK, uh, if you are interested in baseball, it's absolutely something to look into next year because it's, it's a whole other beast. It really is. Oh, absolutely, Dave Jr. And I wouldn't expect you to give away the secrets of your recent success, but when time goes by, possibly at the end of the campaign, you can let us know whether you've adopted a Moneyball-style stats-based approach or whether you've gone for some good old-fashioned man management to get you to get your white jocks performing uh, in, a, in a superior fashion. And you're right about the fantasy baseball and how enjoyable it is. And again, I think... Both Yorkshire Dave and Al deserve a lot of credit because not only are we doing well so far, Touchwood, in the in the pod in the podcasters league, but this is our first attempt ever at doing fantasy baseball as well. So I think that makes your your shrewd management all the more impressive. I think it's important to to mention here when Alan talked about the birds with balls. All that I can hear from that statement is that we are the best men's team in the <laughs> fantasy league. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely as well. And we see, I mean, they they looked uncatchable, but we will we will not give up. We will set our sights, and we'll see where we are. That's the first month of the season complete. Let's see where we are at the end of May, and let's set our sights in top spot in the British Podcasters League. Hi, it's Rico here. When it comes to all-time favourite Seattle Mariners and favourite baseball player. I just can't see past Ken Griffey Jr., a legend and a guy I was lucky enough to, to see in the flesh during one of my trips to Seattle. Away from the baseball diamond, I love my boxing, and marvellous Marvin Hagler, the hard hitter out of Boston, would be my favourite ever boxer. For football, Diego Maradona, a man who lived life in the fast lane and played football like no other, 
would be my top pick. And finally, as a proud Scotsman, Andy Murray, Wimbledon champion and US Open champion. Now, guys, we've got some key games coming up over the next week for your own teams. Alan, I appreciate and I'm not picking on the Tigers here, but it's been a reasonably tough spell of late. How does your, your fixture list for the next week look? And is it a chance for you to get some better numbers in the win column? Looking at the highest week, I mean, my, my highlight's becoming quite easy, Richard, now, because I just pick the game that the Tigers win each week. So <laughs> if they have six or seven games, I just have to look and see which, which one did they win. win. So we're still on the road. We were Chicago and New we, York. Uh, we picked up a win in our first road trip in Chicago, which we yeah. mentioned because of bullpen, the Alls Division League. Uh, yeah, and that lead actually lasted for two nights because the Chicago, the White Sox was postponed. So, and it all fell apart. Five days. Uh, we're now got a three-game series with the Red Sox and a three-game series back with the Twins. Um, yeah, I'm not overly confident about <laughs> what what will happen there. Um, Spencer Turnbull, who's in our fantasy team, is pitching on the Thursday game. Uh, it's a UK friendly time this one as well, I think 6, 6 10 pm. So that must be a lunchtime first pitch in Boston. Uh, and Matty Boyd is picking up the last game uh, against the Twins. Uh, with with you, your uh, Rico Urena uh, on, on the Saturday uh, mound as well. So the pitching's been good. Uh, I say the, the starting pitching's been good. We've, we've been, been players going in for long. Uh, so it's it's hard to see us turning this <laughs> very quickly, to be honest. But um, uh, I'll I'll enjoy I'll enjoy the experience. A couple of games to look forward to that I can watch at friendly time on Sunday. Absolutely, the right philosophy. I think for any for any true fan of the sport, there, Alan, and obviously those games against the Red Sox are going to impact upon our our own intra bullpen league as well and I think Dave Jr's got an update on the current standings between our respective teams so far in the 2021 MLB season Yeah so it was very interesting that Alan uh, mentioned those games last week with the White Sox uh, also interesting he didn't mention the 11-0 game but uh, over the <laughs> We followed that up with a 10-0 defeat in New York Yeah I won't tell you which way uh, the 11-0 went, though. I'll, I'll leave that to your imagination. Um, you know, being completely brutal about it, though, um, the Tigers are a good outfit. Um, I, th- I find this, whenever you watch any game just now, no opposition is a complete, you know, is an easy an easy win. You know, you, against one of these intricacies of baseball, the Tigers beat the White Sox 5-2 one night and then can lose 11-0 uh, the next night, uh, the Colorado Rockies might be the weakest team out of all thirty. But whichever team you're taking on in the MLB, this isn't a two-team league in any way, shape, or form. This isn't um, one of the the top five football leagues in the UK. Uh, sorry, in Europe, where you've got two or three teams fighting out. Any team really can beat each other on any given day. Uh, you know, coming back to our own little league, the Tigers. Uh, just to bring that full circle, the Tigers will drive performance in our league because for the next 16 games between any of our teams, the Tigers are involved. Um, so they're going to drive things. There's three games coming up against the Red Sox, then three away in Seattle. There's four at home against the White Sox and then they welcome the Mariners to Detroit before welcoming the White Sox for three more games. Uh, and those are all before June. So, Alan might find that he's up against uh, our our three teams quite quite a fair bit over the next five or six weeks. In terms of our team's performance against each other, uh, the White Sox lead the table uh, with 600 average. Uh, the Red Sox are evens with 500. The Mariners at 429, which, again, these, these games are so minimal. Uh, and the, the Tigers, uh, one for two, so they are 333. 
which is better than for Maker Neil Spear. Yeah, that's not bad. If only you could pay, play the bullpen bros every game, Alan, the Tigers might be enjoying might be enjoying a better season. But no, thanks for that update, Dave Jr. And obviously right. with all those games coming up, there'll be a there'll be some movement most likely there. So we'll be interested to see what that what that table looks like after those series of inter bullpen matches. And in terms of my mariners for the week ahead. Uh, we've got a fairly, as you say, Dave Jr., you can never take anything for granted. And we're in the middle of a, a tough series against the Orioles just now. But beyond that, we take on the the Texas Rangers, currently bottom of our division. And, and those are games that if we are going to make a real run at it this year, we really need to be taking that three-game series and, and, and preferably sweeping the Rangers would be a fantastic result. Uh, I should point out as well that I previously... Uh, in a previous episode suggested that we should be looking to at best split a series with the LA Angels that was actually only a three game series so we managed to split <laughs> a three game series that would definitely have been a pretty amazing achievement uh, but we did manage to actually win that one 2-1 uh, but struggled a bit against the Astros losing a number of, of close games against those uh, those Astros and obviously I think we're we've got a soft spot I think for, for the Houston Astros as well and we've got a kind of we're big fans of one of their podcasts as well. And, and stay tuned. We might have some more news to, to share with you in the near future round about them. But yeah, that's what it looks like for our Mariners. A chance to get some some wins on the board if we can play to our potential against the Texas Rangers. Yorkshire Dave, the Red Sox, as you say, they've maybe both in terms of pitching and in terms of their overall win-loss record so far, maybe pleasantly surprised you so far. But how does the, the coming week look for your Red Sox? Yeah, it's back to Fenway for three-game series against the Tigers, you know, and uh, actually um, Boston's last 10 record is 5-5, five and five, and for the season at Fenway, I think they've had quite a few home games at it's, uh, in Boston, they had that uh, 10, 10 day homestand, they call it, don't they? When they've got, a, got a, quite a few games, that's the longest they're going to be homestand they're going to have all season. So they've had 16 games and it's a straight eight and eight split, apparently. So obviously, as you say, this is a three game uh, series. So if someone's got to come away t- with a win. And um, yeah, I think. Um, Maybe the, the, the wound, a wounded tiger is a dangerous animal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a, it's, baseball's not a game where you can just say, OK, this is automatic, 3-0. Look at Tigers, last 10 games, it's 1-9. and nine. Um, Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm saying they've got some good pitching. And if uh, you say Boyders is up on, uh, on Thursday. So, yeah, a 2-1 split in favour of the Red Sox would be nice. And then it's back on the road to Baltimore, who have already played six times this season. The opening three games were, it was at Fenway, we were swept by Baltimore. And um, then back at Camden Yards, um, the Red Sox turned it round and um, swept them 3-0. So who knows what's going to happen in that game two and two. I think the I think as you said the uh, Rich, I think the uh, Orioles are playing quite well just now. So uh, that should be a should be a good game and maybe a split there wouldn't be the worst thing that could happen for the Red Sox. That sounds like a decent a decent ambition there. And for the other colour of socks, for the White Sox, Dave Jr., you know, you mentioned there you've had some really exciting moments so far this season, but injuries are potentially beginning to catch up with the White Sox a little bit. Are you concerned about the upcoming fixtures given that situation? I am. I really am. I think it's because I had my, my hopes quite high set for this season, but uh, you know, we're not without good substitutes. There's some good replacements in there. Uh, so over the next, we've got a five-game stretch on the road. We've got, we're away at the Reds in Cincinnati for the next couple of nights, followed by three in Kansas City. Uh, and then as the week progresses, we've got um, six games at home, uh, I think, to go with Dave's homestand. Uh, three against Minnesota. And then, oh, sorry, we've got seven at home. We've got a further four against Kansas City. 
uh, and then we travel away to Minnesota. So, um, yeah, there's definitely some American League Central games coming up this month where Kansas have been out of this world. They've, they've really surprised quite a lot of teams. Uh, I, I don't think, looking at their fixtures, I don't think they will be um, disappearing during the month of May at all. They, they look quite strong, and I would expect them to still be top of the table, looking at who they've got over the next four weeks. So if we can take a, a good, uh, if we can win over those, uh, I think it's maybe seven or eight games against Kansas in a month, if we can pick up four or five wins, I'd be over the moon. Uh, it's quite humbling at times watching baseball. Last week, I thought three games against the Tigers, three games against the Indians, all six are winnable. You come away three each. and You do get caught up in the UK football philosophy that every game is absolutely important, but you've got to be quite respectful of other teams at times. and uh, Coming away with three each, having watched the games, Again, you've done well to get three. It's, it, it genuinely is three wins. Other teams deserve these these moments as well. Uh, it's very hard to win a game of baseball, like Dave alluded to earlier in this podcast. So you, you can't win a, all of 162 over the course of a season. If you're picking up two-thirds of that, you're doing extremely well. Thanks once again for listening, everybody. Uh, we hope you're having as much fun listening as we are in catching up each week and recording and learning about this great game of baseball please remember to subscribe like and rate us on whichever podcast channels you use catch up with us on the various social media outlets twitter facebook and instagram send us some questions send us some feedback and send us some ideas and we look forward to speaking with you next time all the best mm-hmm.